One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my money-saving comrades. My name's Graham Clark, and I'm excited to be with you again this week on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. This is a podcast made by the Money Stepper Savings community for the Money Stepper Savings community. It's designed to help us all achieve the goals that we've set for the 2015 Savings Challenge and make that journey to financial freedom much more friendly and enjoyable. Are you ready? Let's get going. The most important investment you can make is in yourself. This week's quote comes from one of the most famous people in the personal finance world and one of the wealthiest men in the world. It's Warren Buffett, chairman of Berkshire Hathaway and the Oracle of Omaha. His quote actually goes a little bit beyond this. I have a couple of quotes from him on this subject, but each of them are equally powerful, so I'd like to share them with you as well. In a Q&A session from the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting in 2008, uh, Warren Buffett said exactly that. The most important investment you can make is in yourself. Very few people get anything like their potential horsepower translated into the actual horsepower of their output in life. The best asset is your own self you can become, to an enormous degree, the person that you want to be. He then followed that up in an interview uh, the year after, in 2009. He said, generally speaking, investing in yourself is the best thing that you can do. Anything that improves your own talents, nobody can tax it and nobody can take it away from you. You can have all kinds of things happen. But if you've got talent yourself and you've maximised that talent, you've got a tremendous asset that can return tenfold. And he said similar things in a lot of other interviews. The most important message that the best investment you can make is in yourself. And the most important message that I can deliver young people is that anything you invest in yourself, you get back tenfold, etc, etc. And I think Warren Buffett's right. I wrote an article last year on what should you invest in. It looked at the returns that you can get from property, the returns from investing in stock markets, in low-cost market tracking ETFs, and also in cash. The idea was that when you invest in the long term, you want to be looking towards the assets like property and the stock market instead of cash, which gets eaten away of inflation. 
What that article didn't cover is the alternative investment of investing in yourself and also investing in small business. Now, often investing in small business is actually some form of investing in yourself. You're investing in your own abilities. So, for instance, if you were going to set up your own accounting practice, you're investing in the fact that you are a strong accountant, that you are able to speak to clients in such a way that they'll want to come back to you, that you'll be able to help your clients, that you'll be able to serve others, and therefore you'll be able to profit from that. But I think what Warren Buffett's talking about even more so, rather than investing in that way, is actually investing in improving yourself. So rather than having a look at the monetary output, focusing on how can you change certain things about yourself to improve yourself in a personal way, in a professional way, to help both your relationships with your loved ones, with your family, with your friends, but equally to help your career and development plan as you go through that. Equally, it could be in the areas of health, it could be spiritual, it can be many, many areas. And I think the most important way and the most efficient way of investing in yourself is to be a lifelong learner. Again, another recent article we wrote was whether it's worth going to university now. So you might think the easiest way to invest in yourself is to invest in formal education. And we actually looked at the averages on salaries of people who went to university versus people who didn't, then tried to factor in their their debt that they would have from going to university and work out whether it was worthwhile over the long run going to university. Now, 10, 20, 30 years ago, it definitely was. Today, I'm not so sure. The debate's up in the air. But this isn't what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about education in what it can give you on paper. So generally, the value of the degree, most people see it these days, is that you get a degree after you can say, I've got a 2-1 from XX University, my Bachelor of Science or Masters of Arts, whatever. When you go to your employers, that is the piece of paper, that is the qualification I've got. But what I think is more important is being a lifelong learner yourself and trying to educate yourself in the things that you care about, the things that are more relevant to your life. Now, I did go to university 10, 15 years ago now, and I studied mathematics. And there is absolutely nothing that I learned at university in the mathematics degree that I use in my day-to-day life now. I use a lot that I learnt in A-level maths and A-level statistics, especially how that relates to personal finance. But there's absolutely nothing that I learned at university which is any use to me at all. It was useful when that piece of paper helped me get my first job and my foot on my career ladder as an accountant. But in the long run, I'm not sure whether that was worthwhile. However, what has been worthwhile for me is reading books, reading information, going beyond those kind of things to learn specifics which are helpful to me. So while I was working, for instance, in the professional services firm that I was working in for the first 10 years of my career, I spent a lot of time expanding my knowledge in a specific area, in data assurance, so that I could become an expert in that area because that helped me professionally. Equally, over the past few years, I have focused more and more on learning everything I can about personal finance because I know that to achieve financial freedom and to achieve the lifestyle that I want when I come to retire, I need to know everything I can today. So I spent a lot of time reading books and articles and researching uh, to put me in the position I am today where I can run Money Stepper and hopefully help everyone in the community with any issues they may have regarding personal finance. But then it goes beyond that. 
There's other things you want to learn, and this is where the April challenge came in for me. When investing in yourself, as you would when you invest in the stock markets or when you invest in property, I think it's good to try and work out what your return is. Now, this is quite hard to quantify often, and it seems quite strange when you say, um, for instance, I want to learn a new foreign language. Well, how much might that be worth to me? Because not only do you have a monetary worth, you have maybe the extra worth that will give you by learning a new culture, by being able to integrate with people in that country when you visit, and all other manner of things. However, I think it's a good idea, every time you try and learn something new, write down the quantitative and the qualitative results of learning that thing. So this is how my April experiment came around. If you remember, the April mini challenge was to learn something new. Now, a few months ago, I heard on another podcast about someone who was speaking about Dvorak. So it's a different format of a keyboard, which helps you write quicker, and it helps take away some strain on the hands from moving your fingers too much. I won't go into a huge amount of detail about it, because I have already spoken about it in session 16 of the podcast, the mini challenge episode from last month. But today I'm going to go in a bit more detail about how I turn this learn something new into an investment decision. And I'm going to share with you the numbers. It seems a bit weird. I'm learning how to write on a new keyboard. How can I get an investment decision from that? How can I look at an ROI? Well, I try to determine the input, the effort it would take me to learn this new language, and then the output. So as far as the input was concerned, I was going to try my best within one month to be able to write using Colmac at the same speed that I could using QWERTY. That was my goal. If I could do that, once I got beyond that stage, I envisaged that I could write 10 words per minute faster at least, and so that would be my output going forwards. For this part, I've ignored all the health benefits, and I'll come on to that later. But first of all, I said that I would spend three hours a day typing for the 30 days in April. Okay, so that's 90 hours. My idea was that after those 90 hours, I could get 10 words per minute faster writing in the future. And throughout the future, I would write for three hours a day. The first thing I had to work out was how fast do I write at the minute? Well, I estimated it was around 60 words per minute. So I estimated also that during the time that I was learning, my average typing speed would drop to 30 words per minute. Now, at the start of the month, it was about 10 or 15 as I was really slow and I didn't know where the keys were and I kept having to look into my cheat sheet and all that kind of thing. But towards the end of the month, it was up at 60. So I think it's fair to say that during the month on average, my typing would be at 30 words per minute. So 30 words per minute, 60 minutes an hour and 90 hours in the month means that I essentially lost 162,000 words in the month. 162,000 words I could have typed and I would have typed, but I didn't. Now, to put that against my output, I need to work out how much more I can type going forward and how much time that would save me compared to those words that I've lost. Well, that's also quite easy to calculate. My estimation was that I could type 10 words per minute faster Now, I think in the long run, I should be able to type even faster than that because one thing Colmac has done for me is it's made me touch type because your keyboard still says QWERTY. 
that the keys that each one of them writes when you type that key is different. For an example, the J key is N. Now I know it's N, and I click where the J key is to hit N, but I can't do anything but touch type, because I can't look at the keyboard, it doesn't help me. And by forcing me to touch type, it actually forces me to write faster. And so 10 words per minute faster on average, I think, is a, is a good estimate. I said that I type for three hours a day on average. So 10 words per minute for 60 minutes in the hour for three hours a day means that I could type an extra 1,800 words per day during my three hours. So I gain 1,800 words per day going forward and I lost 162,000 words in the month I learnt Colmac. 162,000 divided by 1,800 equals 90. So this means that it's going to take me 90 days to get back all the words that I lost in April. Three months. Now for me this is a great investment and it's a great investment in my career. That seems quite strange just typing on a different keyboard. But it is because at the minute when I'm writing articles for Money Stepper and I've recently just bought a new website called Budgeting for More as well. Go and check that out. I'm writing a lot of words every day. And it's also saved me time in my personal time. I write emails to friends. I write notes. I write all kinds of things on the computer. And for all of that, I'll also save time. So anything after the next three months is profit. And do I envisage on writing? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For more than the next three months on a keyboard? Yes, I certainly do. So for me, I've worked this out before I started learning Colmac, and I decided that this was actually a good investment for me in the long term. April was pretty annoying. It is quite frustrating when you have quite a few emails to write to people, and you've got to write a 6,000-word article when you can only type at 20 words per minute. But I took it seriously. I went cold turkey. I didn't allow myself to go back to QWERTY, and because of that, within the month... I have learned how to type in Colmac. Now, I'll put a screenshot of some of the tests that I do. I explain this in the session 16 as well. 
about how I was going to test through these typing tests online using 10 fast fingers. Uh, and you can see I've got a graph over time there that now uh, my recent typing tests, I'm typing at around 65 words per minute, which uh, compared to my QWERTY at 60 words per minute is an improvement already. And I still envisage that that will increase by at least another 10 or 20% over the coming month. And then I've got to think about what other investment factors go into this this learning a new language, this new keyboard. And it, you need to try and place these kind of things against anything that you're learning. So for me, I had a look at, okay, I've compared to what I've lost in words and what I've gained in words, but do I lose anything in cost? Is there any actual monetary investment in this? And there wasn't really. It's just a down free download. You apply it on one of your keyboards on your computer. You don't actually have to buy a new physical keyboard and you type using Colmax. So there's no cost. But there are more uh, returns that I get from this. Um, the key one, as I describe in session 16, is the health factors. Essentially, the design of the Colmac keyboard means that you move your hands much less when you're typing in Colmac compared to QWERTY. So this reduces any pain you might get from repetitive strain injury, any cramps, etc. And it just ensures that the stress that placed on your fingers and your wrists and your forearms is much less than it is normally. So that's another bonus health benefit which I can add on to the qualitative returns that I can get from learning Colmac. So why should you try and turn anything when you're trying to learn something new into an investment decision? Well, I think there's two really important factors. The first is that for me, I only want to do things that actually are going to give me some value in the long run. It's a ridiculous example, but I'm not going to learn how to speak a language which is only spoken by uh, 50 people on some remote island somewhere because I would never visit that island. There's no payback for me for doing that. I want to understand whenever I'm learning something new what the payback is for me. How will that help me in the long term? Because Warren Buffett says, the most powerful investment you can make is in yourself. But you can also make bad investments. Just as you can make bad investments in the stock market, just so you can make bad investments anywhere else, you can make very bad investments investing in yourself if you focus on the wrong things. And number two, which isn't as obvious, I don't think, but it gives you a real motivation to continue. Now, if I just started learning Colmac, this new keyboard language for the sake of it, because I thought it might be cool, once things got a bit tough, I probably would have stopped. But because I've done the investment appraisal, I know exactly why I'm learning it, and I've understood that this times would be tough and I'll be losing speed on my writing in the short term in order for the long-term gain. I can think about that long-term and I can push through those shorter-term issues. I really think it helps give you a motivation to get through those tough times when you understand exactly why you're doing it. So how does that apply for you? Well, in April, I challenged you all to learn something new. And hopefully this is something you did when you started learning that. Now, I don't think it's good for people just to say, I want to learn X. But instead, you evaluate a payback for that, both quantitative and qualitative, on your investment and write it down. Often it's more difficult to measure things that are qualitative. So, for instance, if I want to learn the guitar because I think it will give me pleasure to play music to myself, there's not much that I can actually measure in that 
because it's difficult to measure the happiness that being able to play the guitar would give me. But just at least writing those down and writing specific things down. So you want to learn the guitar so you can play a certain song. You might want to play it to someone or in front of an audience. That might have the additional benefit of giving you more confidence and it might help you in other aspects of your life. Think about all these things and write them down. It might sound like that learning the guitar will be no longer be fun, but I think it's the opposite. I think once you're struggling to learn a song and you keep forgetting where your fingers should be for the chords, I think having that long-term vision again helps you carry on and push through. And this is exactly the same as the Money Stepper Savings Challenge as a whole. This is why we're doing it. Having that long-term vision, having that that idea about what we're trying to achieve in the long term, the financial freedom, uh, the ability to spend more time with your children and grandchildren when you get older or, you know, sit on cruise ships around the world if that's what if that's what tickles your fancy. But being able to understand why you're doing what you're doing in the short term for that long term benefit is really, really important. So I'd advise for any career and any professional item where you're trying to learn something new Do your best to value investment in every way you can, both from the perspective of time, the perspective of money, the perspective of happiness and joy, whatever else. Put it all down in writing and you're much more likely to achieve what you set out to. So that was the April challenge. Learn something new. I think for Colmac I've succeeded. I can't see myself going back to QWERTY now. I think I'm a Colmac man for at least the foreseeable future. And hopefully you've been able to learn something new in April as well that you'll carry on using or learning more about in the coming months. But as the mini challenge, it's only a mini challenge, it only lasts one month, May brings a new one. And this is something I've been threatening for a while. And following all the good news articles, the May mini challenge is to give selflessly through one specific act. Now, I'm not sure what mine's going to be yet. I'm going to do this May challenge, and by the end of May, I will have done this selfless task or action. But I'm not entirely sure what it is yet, and I'd like to have some ideas from you guys if we could. I think about common acts of what is deemed to be charity and giving, and I thought about giving to homeless people on the streets, but often I'm concerned about where my money's going to go if I do that. Uh, if I give a certain amount of money to someone on the side of the streets, how do I know where that's going? Is it go- Am I just enabling them um, to continue any kind of potential destructive behaviour that's led them to where they are? I'm not saying everyone who's homeless has done that, but that is a concern for me. A lot of people give to others for their charitable events. Now, that's something I've always been very much against because it frustrates me quite a lot when people do things that they want to do and that they'll enjoy And then they try and raise money to charity as a result of that. I think if you're doing an event that someone else can enter and has to pay for, but you're doing it through a charity and you don't have to pay for it, then I'm I'm less inclined to give money towards those people for the charity. And again, I haven't chosen that charity and I haven't chosen where that money's going to. So that's also a bit of a concern for me. Equally, by giving uh, money or time to big big charitable organisations... Um, I'm not entirely sure how they're run and how efficient and effective they are at at putting that money towards the good use rather than going on the overheads and the marketing of the organisation. Equally, the random acts of kindness, you know, buying someone in a coffee shop a coffee. Well, 
again, you're not really sure who your audience is. I think a lot of that is done on Facebook and Twitter to get more views and likes and things like that. I'm not sure what the benefit of, of that really is to that person. You know, presumably if someone's in Starbucks buying a coffee, they're either wasting their money and shouldn't be doing it anyway, or they can afford to buy a Starbucks because they shouldn't be doing it if, if they can't. So I'm not really sure what that, what that achieves. However, what I would like to do is give up some of my time, maybe uh, some of my money, some physical effort, maybe to help people to build a community project, those kind of things. Um, But I'm not really sure what. So what I'd really like from you guys, if, if I could, is for you to get in touch. Leave a comment in the show notes or send me an email with anything you've done in the past that you've really thought benefited those who you were giving to. Or equally, if you've got any ideas of something that I could do, um, that I haven't mentioned there to give selflessly to others in order to improve their lives I would be really really grateful that would be awesome so I'm laying the challenge down to you to give selflessly through one specific act but equally if you could help me decide what I'm going to do for that in May that would be most appreciated <laughs> Right then, next week we've got the results coming up, the April results. That's generally for the submissions to be done in the first five days, and we've received quite a few so far. The ones I've received were looking good. Everyone's carrying on the good work they've done through Q1. Absolutely smashing this challenge. If you haven't got your submissions in yet, please can I urge you to do it as soon as possible so that we can get the results out on Monday and the podcast out next week. Other than that, I have the good news article of the week to share with you. This week is from Today News. It's about a gentleman called Harold, a 91-year-old who's dedicated over 20,000 hours to helping others. So in line with our May challenge that we were speaking about there, um, this gentleman has worked with an organisation called Habitat for Humanity, which builds, renovates and repairs houses for the needy. He's been doing it for over 25 years now and he estimates that he's given 20,000 hours of his time to to helping others. And there's a video which I'll embed into the show notes. You can watch that video there, but it's, it's really, really impressive stuff. The article says that Habitat, his attitude and productivity have become contagious, inspired by his work ethic and quiet spirit. Volunteers soon follow Harold's lead, and not only has he done 20,000 hours himself, he's probably inspired others to give a lot of their time and efforts as well. So good work, Harold. Um, as I said last week, I'm trying to make a bit of a push to get up those iTunes charts with the podcast. Um, the best way for me to do that is for you guys to leave a review for me. So if you could haven't done already, if you could do that, would be awesome. If you've got any other questions, obviously I'm sending you all an email out once you submit your results for the challenge we can have a discuss about anything specifically for you in the challenge but if you've got any questions generally I'd be more than happy to receive them and we can maybe even make a podcast episode out of it if you're willing to feature on the on the podcast yourself uh, other than that you know the drill keep on climbing Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 